Hironobu Sakaguchi had a game idea, and he pitched it to his bosses as a potential solution for a big problem. The company that they all worked for, Square, was on the verge of bankruptcy. Inspired by his love of early role-playing games like Wizardry and Ultima, Sakaguchi wanted to make his own mark in the role-playing genre and make a game to call his own. But role-playing games weren't popular, and their proposed sales were hardly going to save the company. And yet, at some point, Sakaguchi was given a green light, put together a team, and Final Fantasy was born. Today, we'll be celebrating 35 years of Final Fantasy, and along the way, we'll learn its story. We'll talk about how we got from company on the verge of bankruptcy to one of the most popular RPGs of the late 80s. We'll also learn all about some of the notable people who worked on it, including Hironobu Sakaguchi and Nobu Umatsu. So stick around and join us for an epic adventure on today's trip down memory card lane. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I hope these words find you well. Hello and welcome to the 121st episode of our video game history podcast, A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. Each week we'll tell you the story about one topic relevant to the current week in gaming history. It could be a game, a person, a console, a technology, etc, etc. Doing so, we hope to teach you something new about it what it took from the world as its inspiration, or what it gave back to the world as its legacy. This week, we're looking back at Final Fantasy. Originally released for the Nintendo Famicom system on December 18th, 1987. So today, we are celebrating the beginning of 35 years of Final Fantasy. I'm David Casson, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, who claims to be a warrior of light. He's my brother, Rob Casson. Rob, what quest are you on today? Well, Dave, today is to slay the beasts so that the world may be safer. You're actually working on Slayer Quest right now, aren't you? I sure as shit am, Dave. Yeah, of course you are. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, what you been playing other than RuneScape? Well, Dave, other than that, there has been some Rocket League, yeah. some Diablo 3. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of Warzone. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's it for this week. Yeah. Yeah. How about yourself? The staves are Rocket League and Warzone. And I played some of High on Life. So nice. How is it so far? It's fun. It's if you like that type of humor, it's 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 kind of. Uh, I don't know. I heard someone refer to it like as humor, like Borderlands. And it, it, I mean, I can see that. I, I agree with that. Borderlands, of course, is a completely different loot based game. And this is just a story based game, but it's fun. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I will continue to play it and finish it. It's not a long game. It's like 10 hours. So hmm. um, I don't know. It was it was it's good. It's good. I like it. Go play it. I haven't really seen any bad reviews of it. The only people that don't like it are people who just don't care for its humor. So, which there's always going to be some who are not into that type of stuff. So, to each their own. Just like people who don't like Rick and Morty. Just like people who don't like Rick and Morty. I uh, so 
Final Fantasy. You played a couple? I have played a few Final Fantasies, yes. Any of these early Nintendo ones? I haven't played them myself. I have watched some playthrough of them, though. Uh, I just have yet to dive into it myself growing up. It was kind of before the era when I was really into RPGs. And now that I am, I just haven't really taken much of a chance to go back and play the originals. You know, to be fair, these NES ones were a little before my role-playing fascination too i have gone back to play them but they they predate i didn't really get into this stuff i wasn't really old enough to get into this stuff until i was more like nes era or yeah snes era sorry but uh here we are final fantasy 35 years and we have the creator of final fantasy to thank hironobu sakaguchi as a child sakaguchi had no interest in video games he talks about his childhood. Uh, he looks fondly at the times that he would gather rock samples from a local quarry and polish them. Uh, also, he spent a lot of time reading through his mother's large library. In elementary school, he found himself enjoying his free time on the piano, and eventually he picked up the folk guitar. And in doing so, in high school, he formed an amateur band with some friends. And they almost got themselves expelled once by selling homemade concert tickets to one of his concerts. So, you know, musicians for life. Did the concert do well, at least? I have no clue, to be honest with you. I'd be curious to find that out, because yeah. I bet it was a rager. <laughs> in high school, at that point in his life, Sakaguchi wanted nothing more than to become a musician. But when he applied for college... He fought against his heart, decided a more responsible route, and chose to become a computer science major. That was the thing. Computers were just starting starting to be everywhere, and it, it was the future. So he jumped on the future. In college, he became friends with Hiromichi Tanaka, who is the future senior vice president of software development at Square Enix. And through Tanaka, Sakaguchi had access to an Apple II computer, in which he played and fell in love with wizardry. Uh, it is said that he would frequently skip class to play it. Now, wizardry was an important title in the role-playing genre. It was one of the titles that brought role-playing games out of text-based realm and into the graphical realm. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about wizardry, we did a whole episode back uh, back in, I think, episode 106. Go check it out on www.memorycardlane.com. Beat me to it, Dave. I was just going to say we did an episode. I remember that title. Yes, we did. Wizardry and Ultima. Those were the those were the early, early important RPGs. We've done an episode on both of them. So Sakaguchi learned more about programming. He wanted an Apple II of his own, but he was a struggling college student. He simply couldn't afford one, which we can relate to. And uh, found himself buying a knockoff instead. But then this came, this, you know, there was another problem. He needed money to buy software and games for his computer. And so alongside Hiroshimi Tanaka, the two of them began to look for part-time work. Okay, but explain to me something. Yeah. What was a knockoff Apple II like? 
I'm guessing it wasn't an Apple II, because Apple's always been pricey. I'm guessing it was more like, a, maybe it was a straight knockoff, but it could have also been like an MSX or one of the other brand computers that wasn't Apple. Um, but they do, there are, I mean, I have seen people buy fake Apples. They're normal computers that are made up with OSs that are just made to look like an Apple computer. Hmm. Who knows? Okay. I, don't know. I don't really know in this case. That's why I was trying to figure out if it was just like a normal non-Apple computer, which I mean, I know at the time choices were limited, but it just seemed like it was in all forms meant to be fooling you as a Apple product. Maybe, maybe. Like maybe, so maybe the pair two or something. Uh, maybe. Uh. I don't really know. He bought a computer and then he needed money to buy stuff to buy. I mean, we can all relate to that, right? So... Together, Tanaka and Sakaguchi found work at a newly formed company named Square. Now, Square was started in September of 1984 as a software subsidiary of electric power conglomerate Denyusha, which was a company led by Kunichi Miyamoto. His son was Masafumi Miyamoto, who had little interest in following his father into the electricity business. And so after just pondering some options, Masafumi Miyamoto decided to start a software development branch of his father's company with a focus on breaking into the emerging video game market. He chose Square as the company's name, with Square referring to a golfing term in which all players or teams are tied up, and he felt that it best represented the company's aim to face challenges head-on. He also liked its reference to a town square, as he had all intentions of creating a development atmosphere that was based on cooperation. And what I mean by that is at the time video games in Japan were almost all created by a single programmer, but Miyamoto believed that graphics designers, programmers and story writers could all work together as a team and would need to actually work together as a team as video games got bigger, larger and more complex, uh, which was, becoming a possibility because computers the technology behind computers was moving at a fast speed as well so basically technology was moving fast the games were, were following suit i mean turns out he was right to be fair <laughs> yeah no yep he he, he kind of was i don't really think anyone ever envisioned we'd have a hundred hundreds of hundreds of people working on one game but they were right so to recruit employees for his new concept Miyamoto opened an, basically a salon that was like an internet cafe and he brought people in and he offered jobs to people who demonstrated exceptional programming skills. Now among the employees hired this way were, were Hironobu Sakaguchi and Hiromichi Tanaka. Square's first attempt at a video game and Sakaguchi's first project was an adaption of a video game of a television game show called Torin Engine. However, being new to game development, the company hadn't secured any licenses to adapt it, and when the show's producers found out about the game, they forced him to cancel production on it. So the team decided to plan on what was next, and as they decided to plan what was next, Miyamoto decided to informally restructure the company and somehow Sakaguchi, who realistically only thought he was ever going to be doing part-time clerical work for the software company, 
suddenly found himself in a producer role on the company's first title, The Death Trap. Now, The Death Trap was a 1984 text adventure. It had no sound. But unlike other text adventures, it told the story using full screen still images. So how it's a text adventure and a still image, it plays by a text parser. So it's one of those old school games, move south, look at window, pick up key, use key. That's how it's a text adventure. But it, it did so by telling the story through pictures and not by, you know, writing on, you know, move south you're now in a room blah 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 you know what i mean so it would like have one screen where it was text and the next one was still images or like they put the still images and then inside of the still images was a text box uh the text was on the bottom i'm not 100 sure but i believe the text was like my visions text on the bottom but you would know what you were doing through pictures so like take one of the take one of the earliest games like zork like zork starts out like you awake in a house in front of you is a window. There are no doors in the rooms, you know, and then you go open window. You've opened the window. The cold air drifts in and it types you all this stuff. Right. But this game would show you a picture of the wit like the room now with a window open, for instance. And okay. you would you would have to type what you wanted to do instead of, you know, move buttons or what have you. So by that definition, it's still a text adventure because you have to write text to do anything in the game, basically. But it was it was told using full screen images, and that's that that was unique. That was different. Now it may seem weird that Hironobu Sakaguchi, who was still a part time employee, was the producer of the Death Trap. But the truth of it is, is that during the development of the of this game. Square was still just the computer software branch of an electric company, and all of its employees were, in fact, part-time. Now, also working part-time, but in a music rental shop, was Nobu Umatsu. Umatsu was a self-taught musician who began to play the piano when he was about 11 years old. He went to college to get a degree in English. I can relate. And while doing so... And after college, he played keyboards in several amateur bands and composed music for local television commercials. Now, everyone who plays music knows that that's not always the most consistent work. So at one point, he got a part-time job at a music rental shop. So he works by day, rental shop, and gigs at night. And afterwards, you know, these are a bunch of kids who don't have a lot of money. They would all get together as friends and just hang out you know umatsu remembers the times you know he said somehow someone would always manage to bring alcohol and we would just get together late at night and just talk about our future you know what we wanted to do what our dreams were and how we could achieve them or help each other achieve them now there was one girl in in this group who actually got a job in the art department at square working on its early games And at one of these get-togethers, she actually asked Umatsu if he'd be interested in creating some music for the titles that they were working on. Uh, And he goes, yeah, sure, why not? So she gets a demo tape, she puts, you know, gives it to Sakaguchi, puts in a good word for him at Square. Basically, Umatsu threw himself out there because he saw it as a way to make some money on the side, 
you know, he could keep his part time job at the music shop and and pick up a few gigs like he was doing with the television commercials and that, you know, that's all it really was at this point. It was just a part time gig to, to bolster everything else. He had never thought that it would become a full time career. I mean, it wasn't a career at the time. Uh, and we'll get to that in a moment. So. So while this is happening. The rest of the part timers at Square, they finish the death trap and they release it in October of 1984. They take the same concept and they quickly follow it up with a game called Will, uh, colon, the death trap two in the next year in 1985 uh, for the death trap two. They actually hired a postgraduate student from a local university to program bitmap graphics, uh, bitmap being moving graphics. Uh, as such, the Death Trap 2 is recognized as the one of the first animated computer games in gaming history. Huh. And this made it a major commercial success for its time. It sold about 100,000 copies, which was just crazy for 1985 and that officially makes it square's first hit game also during 1985 square completed a licensing agreement with nintendo that allowed them to develop titles for the nintendo famicom their first two nintendo games uh were one was a port in 1985 called dexter which was a run and gun platform game and then they also developed uh, a scrolling shooter in 1986 called King's Knight. Now, in the midst of all this, you know, as they're porting these games and and and, you know, doing this, they begin to work on their own play. It's a science fiction RPG called Cruise Chaser Blasty. And Sakaguchi is the game designer. I know Blasty. That's funny. So Sakaguchi actually goes back to Umatsu and he says, hey, do you want to compose the game soundtrack? And Umatsu says, yeah, sure. This is what I want to do this. And Cruise Chaser Blasty ends up being Nobu Umatsu's first video game composer credit. So Cruise Chaser Blasty comes out in 1986. And in 1986, that same month in April, uh, Square moves into its own offices. Um, by at this point, it's hopping, things are going, it's a successful gaming company, and in September of 1986, it breaks off from the electric company and founds itself as an independent company. So 1986, it's no longer a subsidiary of electric company, it is its own independent video game development company. Now, they bought their offices in a relatively wealthy area, because they wanted to give the appearance that they were in a fluent software company. So they do this, they buy offices in a nice place. They break off the electric company and they form themselves an independent company. Sakaguchi gets offered a full-time position. He accepts it. And he is appointed as one of the directors of planning and development for square for square. Now, through 1986 and early 1987, Square puts all of its efforts into Nintendo development, uh, Famicom Nintendo developments. Um, but many of the titles it worked on, like Deep Dungeon, the 3D Battles of World Runner, Apple Town Story, and Mystery Quest, these were all, they weren't very successful games. I think maybe the only one they had in the midst there that was kind of successful was Rad Racer. 
But the truth of the matter is that in mid middle of 1987, realistically, Square was really struggling financially. They had stretched themselves too thin by, you know, getting offices in a super expensive place and going to town on everything. Now, they end up moving offices um, at one point. But here in the story, Miyamoto basically brings all the directors of Square together and he asks them all for game proposals that the staff would later vote on. Now, Sakaguchi wanted to develop a role-playing game. He was inspired by his love of Ultima and his love of wizardry. Now, this idea did not go over well because it was not a popular genre, and Miyamoto, of course, was trying to get them out of financial trouble, so he was looking for a game that would sell well. But, not too long afterwards... Dragon Quest was released in Japan, and Dragon Quest was an absolute fucking hit. In fact, in its first six months in Japan, it sold over a million copies. Wow. I mean, I mean, they're they're sitting there going, hey, we sold 100,000. Woo! And Dragon Quest comes out and blows through a million, and everyone's like, uh... Jeez. I mean, that's, that's impressive for that year, for like, back yeah, then. Yeah, 100%. Damn. So, of course... They see Dragon's Quest success, and Miyamoto goes back to Sakaguchi and gives him the green light, um, but only on one condition. He he still isn't entirely sure about how this is going to go. So initially, he says, "Hey, you can have five people, including yourself. That's what that's what I'm going to give you to work on this." So Sakaguchi brings in his five. Um, the first one is Nasser Jabeli. He's an American Iranian programmer. Uh, he started working with Square on 3D World Runner. And he also worked as the primary developer slash programmer on Rad Racer, which Sakaguchi, if you didn't know, was the designer of Rad Racer. Uh, he brought Akatoshi Kawazu, who's a graphic designer who also worked on Rad Racer. There was another game designer called Koichi Ishii. And of course, he brings video game composer Nobu Umatsu into the mix. And as they kind of get started, it becomes clear that they could use some help. So Miyamoto pretty or so my so Sakaguchi goes back to Miyamoto and he says, "Hey, we 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 kind of need a few others." And at that point, they also are allowed to bring on Kenji Tarada as the scenario writer and Yoshitaki Amano as the character designer. Now, Amano's story is really absolutely amusing. Initially, Amano wanted to join the team, but Sakaguchi declined. He said, "Nah." just we've got what we need you know um so one day he's he is they're trying to like hash out the art style everything they're looking for and he he's flipping through a magazine and he shows uh kochi ishi some magazine clippings he basically looks at me says this is the art style that i want for this game ishi looks right at him and goes dude those were created by yoshitaki amano who you didn't want on this team Nice. So needless to say, Sakaguchi reached out to Amano and asked him to join the team. And these seven people became the core team that developed Final Fantasy and gave it its ideas. Uh, Square basically operated on two teams at the time. There was the A team and the B team. Sakaguchi and this team were called the A team. And then uh, Tanaka, his friend from college, uh, and a group of others were the B team that were working on other things at Square. That was your primary core for Square. 
Now, Kawazu was mainly responsible for the battle system and sequences, and he based them very heavily on Dungeons and & Dragons and Wizardry. This is, in fact, where he got the idea for all the enemy weaknesses to elements. You know, like, fire is, you know, knocks ice enemies, whips the, the tail off of ice enemies. Up until this point, there hadn't been any Japanese RPGs that had done anything like that. That was completely new to this, so... Koichi Ishii had a fascination with crystals, and that became a major design point for the game, which we'll talk about. And when they first set out, they talked about their design philosophy, and they really had one goal. They wanted to be different from Dragon Quest. That was it. We want to make a different role-playing game for Dragon Quest. So essentially, with those core concepts in mind, that's what they set off to do. Now, of course, Umatsu was asked to write the score. Uh, he had been working for Square since Crew Chaser Blasty through their NES era. So Final Fantasy is actually the 16th video game music composition that he, he was asked to work on. And away they went. They worked on the game. And as the game began to show more promise, more employees were added to the mix. Uh, in fact, the B squad with Tanaka and his team were at one point incorporated into the team, and so they were all working on a project that was tentatively called Fighting Fantasy. That was the original title of the series. Hmm. However, there was a game book series, like a Dungeons and Dragons game book type series. Uh, there was already a game book series that had the title Fighting Fantasy, so they decided to change it. Now, there have been a lot of theories over the years as to why this game is now called Final Fantasy. In 2015, Sakaguchi in an interview stated that, from the beginning, the team had wished for a name that could be shortened to FF, or in Japanese, Fu Fu. That way, the game's title could be abbreviated in the Latin script and pronounced in four syllables in the Japanese language. The reason for choosing the word final to form the eventual title of Final Fantasy was basically explained by Umatsu in a different interview. He said, Umatsu said, it stemmed from Sakaguchi's personal situation as he told the team that if this game hadn't sold well, he was going to quit the game industry and go back to university. And on the other hand, Square was under the threat of bankruptcy at the time, which meant also if the game didn't sell well, it could have been the company's last. Now, Sakaguchi has kind of downplayed these ideas, confirmed some, downplayed the others. And basically what he's come up with is, is saying that, you know, they just kind of tripped on final. Their back was against the wall. They were forced to pick something and Final Fantasy just kind of worked. Uh, but truthfully, the, the the FF is what they wanted, and any word that started with an F would have probably suited them just as well. So, Can you imagine had the series been called Farting Fantasy? Farting Fantasy, Fucking Fantasy, Flight Fantasy. Nah, that's too much like Flight Simulator. Could have been Forte Finale. Hmm, that's a good one. Forest Fantasy. Hmm frolicking fantasy Ooh, yeah that's a good one i don't really know i can't think of any others frenzy 
frenzied fantasy. Ooh, there you go. That's a fun one. Fish frenzy. Fish frenzy. Fish, <laughs> fish fantasy. It's a fish fantasy. Fish fantasy. There you go. Yeah. Fish fantasy. Huh. Yeah, no. I like Final Fantasy. So, the game has a title. They finish it. And Final Fantasy is released to the world as a Nintendo Famicom title on December 18th, 1987, which is 35 years ago this week. Now, for those of you that don't go far back, the plot summarized... I mean, it's a role-playing game. Let's start with there. It's a role-playing game. It's a turn-based role-playing game. It has an overworld map, and you go to locations, and you fight random battles to strength up and get stronger and get money to buy better gear to get stronger and it's a role-playing loop uh turn-based the plot of the first final fantasy is that it follows four children or teenagers it's younger people they they call themselves the warriors of light and the warriors of light each carry uh elemental crystal uh these elemental crystals are dark They've been darkened, like they're not bright and shiny and everything anymore. There are elemental fiends who are who are evil forces, and they darken the crystals. And basically, if they don't restore the light to the crystals, the world's going to collapse in peril. So you have to go on a quest to defeat these elemental fiends, restore light to the crystals, and save the world. Sounds dramatic. Oh, it's very dramatic. Uh, I mean, all Final Fantasies are dramatic. They've been dramatic from the beginning. Very true. Yeah, very they've true. Been, they've been dramatic from the beginning. But yeah, I mean, that's that's how everyone came together. That's Final Fantasy. It's. Um, I'm a fan of the series. I don't like this one as much of as later entries. I think even the second I mean, the second one's great. And the third one is kind of third ones where I remember being introduced to the series um, and moving on from there. Um, but I, I mean, I've played it. The, the, I, I'm pretty sure I have this at this point on Nintendo, but I also have it on my phone. I know I repurchased it as an as a iOS title and I may have a PC remake. Nah, maybe not. I played it a few times. It's it's a uh, I don't know. It and Dragon Quest, they're very specific to their time period. I don't know if that makes sense at all. You got to play them. But it's a good it, it, it it's good. I mean, I like it. I bought it, I played it. What more can I say? I bought it, I played it. <laughs> I, I there's not much more you can say, Dave. Yeah, true statement. All right. Well, I mean, you know, that's what I think about it, Rob. What do other people think about it? Well, Dave, as always, we're going to go ahead and kick it off with our critic reviews, uh, which there's not really a whole lot that are able to be found for the original game, believe it or not. I'm crazy, right? Well, it is 1987. That's not terribly surprising. So, I mean, you have a point there, but I was able to find a more recent review based more on one of the remakes, but still talking about the game in depth. And I thought it was pretty accurate to uh, our conversation of the day. So this is from IGN, written in 2012. So they write, Final Fantasy exploded onto the scenes in the late 80s in Japan. 
offering a deeper, more thorough, and more challenging RPG experience than 8-bit Nintendo players had ever seen before, besting even Enix's first Dragon Quest in many respects, and selling tons of copies, just like Dragon Quest did. And a few years later, its localized release for the NES in America also brought in millions for the failing studio. Final Fantasy was such a hit that Squaresoft was brought back to life, and the single project, intended as nothing more than a swan song, became instead the flagship installment in one of the industry's most beloved and longest-running franchises ever. One of the fresh features this first Final Fantasy offered that set it apart from other 8-bit role-playing games was its character selection. You get to pick and choose the configuration of your light warrior party, building the group from a selection of six different classes. There's a weapon-wielding fighter, commonly chosen as the party leader, the martial artist Black Belt, skilled in bare-knuckle brawling, the rogue-class thief, able to ultimately master the skills of a ninja, and then three different colors of mage. White mage, the healer, black mage, the attacker, and red mage, something of a mix of the two. Final Fantasy is beastly tough. This is old school level grinding. Pull your hair out, RPG gaming at its most frustrating. You have to be dedicated and determined to spend the time investing in growing your party's experience through tons of random battles in order to be able to get through most of this quest. If you're impatient or stray too far too quickly, you'll just get murdered. <clears throat> Final Fantasy's battles are iconic, with your party of characters lining up on one side of the screen and an array of unanimated enemies appearing on the other. You issue orders to your men using menus and a big pointing finger cursor, telling your heroes when to attack, when to cast magic, and when to run. But there are lots of little annoyances, like missed attacks. Say you're facing two imps. You make two of your heroes target the first imp with their attacks. Your first hero strikes and does enough damage to kill the imp himself. Alright. But then... Your second hero attacks. And instead of automatically shifting his attack to the second, still alive imp, he just attacks the empty space where the first imp used to be. Miss. Waste of a turn. Then, there are weapons and armor that don't equip themselves, so won't function if you don't remember to do it by hand. And a lack of an interface in shops to tell you who can equip what and what kind of stat boost any given item will offer. And the inability to revive fallen comrades without trekking all the way back to town to visit a clinic. And so on, and so on. With all that warning in place, though, they still fully recommend Final Fantasy, at least in the virtual console form. Either as a reminder of when you first played it on cartridge 20 years ago, or as your first step into the foundation of Square's most important series. It's absolutely worth the asking price of just $5 to download, even without the modern amenities of more recent remakes. So, pretty positive. You know, obviously there were some 
negative things that were given to it. But, you know, it, at the time, it may have been that those weren't really all that bad. It's just now we're used to things being a little easier. That's, that is true. But next up, Dave, since there's not really any more critic reviews to find, I mean, there's many, many out there, but it's always the same as far as it's hard to find any on the original game, just on the remakes. Um, so this one did a phenomenal job of summing it all up. But obviously, we want to hear what the gamers have to say. So for this, I was able to find two for Moby Games. Uh, first up is AB Gamer, who says that when a Square co-worker thought of putting a last effort into desperate attempts of making video games, it resulted in a masterpiece. Yes, we're talking about Final Fantasy and its creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi. Final Fantasy is the first title released in the long line of its series. Released in 1987, Final Fantasy helped to popularize the RPG among the West. Although many RPGs were available before it, none had a story that was so involving. Having good graphics, nice music, and a great gameplay with a decent story, Final Fantasy thwarted overseas. The game had nothing that can restrict a player from playing it. However, the most irritable part of the game was its sometimes frustrating chain battles, especially in dungeons, where you have to fight battles without an item to buzz off monsters. This can really sometimes make you close the game and continue it later. But at the end of it all, it's still the best RPG series. This game, a must-try for RPG genre fans. An AB Gamer... Gives it a four out of five. Four out of five, huh? Uh, yes. A four out of five. So next up, we have Christian Delano, who has quite a lot to say about this. So we'll see some good points to see, and, uh, you know, maybe we'll see how they really feel about this one. So Christian starts saying, Final Fantasy had good graphics when it was released in December of 1987. The sprites in the environment were more detailed than Dragon Quest II, which was released earlier that year in Japan. As with most NES RPGs, the graphics were not actually impressive, but Final Fantasy's graphics were definitely better than other contemporary NES RPGs. The music for Final Fantasy was well composed, given that this game was completed in the mid-generation of the Famicom era, and the developers had to contend with the limited hardware of the NES at the time. I like that you could customize your party of adventures in this game, whereas in Dragon Quest 1 and 2 and Fantasy Star, you never had this option. You can go out adventuring with many combinations of six classes. Fighter, Black Belt, Thief, White Mage, Black Mage, or Red Mage. For example, you can have a balanced party of fighters and mages, a team full of fighters, a team full of black mages, or... If you're feeling suicidal, a team of four white mages. There are over a hundred different combinations of classes that you could potentially choose for your party. While such customization can allow for great replay value, the gameplay suffers a lot of factors which would make one not want to play this game again after completing it once. While the music was excellent, the sound effects were somewhat annoying especially the bleeping sound that it made whenever a dialogue window popped up. It would have been better for Square to have left the dialogue window bleeps out of the game. Considering that bleeps were quite common in NES games during this time, 
the sound effects don't take away that much from the overall sound. There was nothing about the plot that drew me into the game. You have four light warriors who must recover four crystals, four crystals of elements. Fire, water, air, and earth. To save the world, and you can save a princess early on. Gee, I wonder where we've seen that before. Fantasy Star, Japanese RPG for the Sega Master System, at least had a main character with a story to tell. The protagonist lost a family member to the bad guy, and they were out to avenge death. However, in Final Fantasy, there is neither character development, nor is there the role-playing experience you can get from contemporary Western RPGs like Ultima IV, which was released in 1985. Therefore, there is nothing redeeming about the story of this game. Normally, having a paper-thin plot would not matter if the game had great gameplay. However, this is not the case with Final Fantasy. The gameplay is a step up from contemporaries such as Dragon Quest and Fantasy Star, with great character customization as mentioned before, and this game is not much of a level-up fest as these two games. However, it's still very much a level-up fest, and fighting random battles constantly where you just mindlessly bash the A button repeatedly gets old really quick. This game is more of a test of tedium and patience rather than actual skill. It may not be as tedious as Dragon Quest or Fantasy Star, but this game surely isn't fun. Final Fantasy requires that you fight a lot of random battles so that you can level up and buy better equipment. If you don't, you get killed quite quickly. And leveling up is an entirely mindless process. You can go outside the world map, fight sand enemies over and over, and gain experience to level up and get gold to buy better equipment. On a positive note, Final Fantasy has more emphasis on elemental weaknesses and strengths than Dragon Quest or Fantasy Star, which gives it a more strategic edge than these games. However, majority of battles are lifeless and mindless for the most part. Considering conserving magic in dungeons is a big part of the game, there really is not much variety in how you go about fighting the, the vast majority of random battles besides making a normal attack. As much as Final Fantasy is responsible to help popularize console RPGs in Japan and introducing Westerns to the Eastern RPG genre, the game is derivative and primitive now, and it was derivative and primitive back then. <laughs> Final Fantasy deserves a lot of respect for what it did for the Eastern RPG genre, but as a game, it's simply not fun, and video games are supposed to be fun. Final Fantasy, for the most part, played like a watered-down Dungeons & Dragons light with a modified Dragon Quest battle system inside new rather than first person. There's nothing revolutionary about the game itself. While its legacy lies only in how it attracted interest in Eastern RPGs and how it is the start of better things to come for the Final Fantasy franchise. So there you have it. They were clearly not a fan. No, not a fan. But it also sounds like they picked it up late and kind of looked at it through modern colored glasses, um, which is always problematic for people. So, 
I mean, there there is a point, although they did have some points to what they did enjoy about the game. So there were still some positive redeeming qualities. So for people who really want to try it out, it might be worth that uh, little play, huh? Yeah, might be. It might be. So, Dave, tell us what became of Final Fantasy. So they put it out. And initially, Square only wants to print about 200,000 copies of the game. But Sakaguchi had a good feeling about it. He pleaded with the company and, and, and said, hey, I, I think double that is what we're going to sell. Also, he hoped that if he could get them to print 400,000 copies and sell all of them, that they would greenlight, uh, they would greenlight a sequel. Um, and Square agreed. They printed 400,000 copies, um, and it, it was successful. In Japan, they went on to ship 520,000 copies. Um, after Dragon Quest was successfully brought over to North America, Square followed suit with Final Fantasy, and Final Fantasy was even more successful over here in the States. By 1994, the original version, the NES version of Final Fantasy sold over 1.3 million copies worldwide. Wow. I know. For for early 90s and stuff, that's pretty crazy. I mean, those are good numbers for now. and I mean, I guess they're good numbers for now. Any any game would be happy to sell a million copies, you know? Yeah, that, that's pretty impressive. And of course, we know now that Final Fantasy has been made over and over and over, so it has probably sold double that now. I, I'd venture it's somewhere in a two, two and a half million copies. And then let's be honest, Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy together, these were the two games that really legitimized role-playing as a mainstream genre for video games because prior to this it was really just a bunch of dungeons and dragons nerds that were getting to play their dungeons and dragons games on a computer honestly i mean we talked about ultima we talked about wizardry all those were based on dungeons and dragons and and that was a very niche group of people like viewpoint you know and those games sold well but none of them sold like mainstream genre well until these two came along here. So no one, no one really that wasn't already a role player took role playing games seriously until Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest came along. So yeah. I suppose you have a point there. Yeah, yeah. And as we know now, it started a whole series. There are 15 games in the main series, a 16th on the way. So many spinoffs. Um, Final Fantasy series is one of the best video game franchises of all time, having sold over 173 million copies across all of the entries in the series. Wow. I know. 173 million is super impressive. No, it really is. Not and, surprising, though. No, and I mean, we've done episodes and other. We've talked about Final Fantasy before. We we talked about Final Fantasy VII quite a few times, actually, um, early on in our podcasting days. I think it was episode. I don't know. 
It was early. It was early, early on. It was one of the early episodes we talked about it. It's one of my favorite games. One of my early formative games. So we are... I'm a big Final Fantasy fan. What's your favorite one? The one that I played most and am most familiar with is 7. Uh, that was the one that got me into it. Um, that you, you played the hell out of it, and I watched a lot. And uh, once I was able to play it myself, I played the hell out of it. And uh, yeah, that's that's it for me. I mean, Cloud, baby. Yeah. He's got a cool-ass sword. Yep, 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 yep. So Final Fantasy's gone on to be a smashing success. Let's briefly touch base on how some of all the other people associated with it did. Um, Hironobu Sakaguchi stayed with Square after Final Fantasy and continued working on many of what are now considered some of the best role-playing games of all time, including other Final Fantasy titles, Chrono Trigger, which we actually did an episode on back in episode 50. He worked on Super Mario RPG for Square, Xeno Gears for Square, which we actually are doing, I think, in February, an episode on uh, Legend of Mana and Kingdom Hearts. I mean, that's just that's just a fucking stellar list of role playing games. Quite. He tried his luck at getting into movies, opened something called Square Studios and Square Studios tried to make a not tried they did make a CGI movie called Final Fantasy the Spirits Within I remember Final Fantasy Spirits Within I was so excited to see it my best friend and I took time off to go see it we were like the only two people in the theater at the time <laughs> nice I uh, I believe I've seen that as well actually it ended up being a complete massive failure it took something like 140 million dollars to make but only brought the studio like 78 million dollars or something like that so it was a massive failure and in the fallout of said failure sakaguchi left square he ended up forming a new studio called mistwalker and has continued to work on video games for mistwalker uh they made games such as blue dragon lost odyssey the last story and most recently a super cool uh, Apple arcade game for the iOS called Fantasian, which is like a it's got like a diorama art style. It's it's actually super cool. Hmm. Sounds very interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of hype for it. You know, Sakaguchi and some of the others are um, they're getting old, man. They're all getting old. And a lot of them feel that that might have been one of their one of their last um they're getting the point where they that might be one of their last games. That's what that's what I'm looking for. So now his friend from college, Hiromichi Tanaka, also stayed out with Square for many years as one of their vice presidents. He is now best known as the lead developer for Final Fantasy XI, which was Square's first MMORPG. Uh, he also was the producer later on for Final Fantasy XIV, which ended up not being successful. It was a financial loss for Square. And in that fallout, Tanaka left the company and kind of works freelance now. Um, Actually did not know that. Video game composer Nobu Umatsu is probably one of the absolute best known names in video game composing nowadays. 
the music from Final Fantasy are some of the most iconic music in video games. He now tours. Uh, he's a freelance composer. He still writes music. He did Fantasia. Still thinks he said the same thing. This might be one of my last hurrahs, but he's actually working on a few more titles now. But I think any day now he may he may hang it up or he may be one of those guys who does it to the very end. But who knows? Um, he started a band called the Black Mages. They they perform Final Fantasy music and they kind of do like an orchestrated Final Fantasy series that I've actually been to a few times. And it's super cool if you've never had a chance to do it. Um, so that's great. Uh, yeah. And Square is now Square Enix. Uh, they merged with Enix and they became Square Enix. And they make so many video games, it's not even funny. <laughs> I don't really know what else to what else to say about that, you know? Yeah, I I couldn't tell you. It's that there's a lot of games. I mean a lot. I mean they still do the the Final Fantasies, they do Kingdom Hearts, Dragon Quest was an Enix game. So Dragon Quest is under that same one. The Romancing Saga, Valkyrie Profile, um, Good Lord, uh, Star Ocean, uh, The Last Remnant. I mean, these are all role playing games. They do they do a ton of role playing games. Like still, they're doing role playing games. You know, they're they're for what Final Fantasy sixteen they're working on, Kingdom Hearts four they're working on, New Front Mission. What's one of their recent ones? Octopath Traveler. I just, it just, the list goes on and on and on. So. Yeah, you, you know quite the list of them. Live live a live. That was a Square Enix one. I, I like role-playing games. So. Um, anyway, Square Enix is still alive and well. Final Fantasy is still alive and well. And pretty much everyone that worked on this game as far as I know, is still involved with gaming in one way, shape, or form. Heck, even the like one of the character artists that I didn't actually name, uh, and I can't think of her name right now, but she's she's known... I, I named Amano because he had a fun story, but the other one, she did the opening sequence and a bunch of stuff. She's been the one working on for the... I said I had an Apple, uh, an iOS version of the game, a mobile version of the game. They're actually called Perfect Pixel Remasters, and she's been the one working on the Perfect Pixel Remasters. And are do they've done, I think they've done one through six, one through five, or one through six is the Pixel Perfects already. And of hmm. course, the Final Fantasy VII came out as a, a complete remake. So, and we'll see what happens from there. Hell yeah! But yeah, so success all the way around. That has extended thirty five years for almost everyone involved they may have all had hiccups along the way but they have all persisted in video gaming and they are all still successfully doing it to this day as far as i know so great game great series that's that's final fantasy rob that's final fantasy indeed if you haven't played it give it a try absolutely well like i said there is a bunch of other games that these guys have worked on you know like uh chrono trigger was one of the other Heronobu sakaguchi games and of course we did that for episode 50 so if you want to check that out you can go back to our archives which can be found on our website at www.memorycardlane.com 
Rob, what else can they find on our website? Well, they can find a short little blurb about Dave and I. Uh, they can find the calendar with things we've done or things we're doing. Uh, they can also find some kind of weird link to some social medias. Yeah, that's it. Yep, that's it. Where link, to our, link I, to our Discord. I am on twitch.tv forward slash F-A-T-B-O-I-R-I-P-Z. And Dave, where can you be found? I'm on various platforms as David is wrong. So look us up. Come to our Discord. That's a link on our website too. Do all the things. All right, all Rob. All the things. We did it. That's Final Fantasy. And it's about this time each week that we take a look back, ladies and gentlemen. Each week we'll tell you the story about one game relevant, not one game, one topic, one topic relevant to the current week in gaming history. While doing so, we hope to teach you something new about said topic, what it took from the world as its inspiration, or what it gave back to the world as its legacy. This week, of course, we did Final Fantasy, 35 years and running, really great game series. And one of the best parts about getting to do this week in, week out is the fact that we get to learn new things as well. You know, one of the best things that was always told to me is when you teach, you learn. And to be frank with you, it's a lot of fun learning new things. So it's part of that commitment to you and our recognition. We like to talk about what we learned. So, Rob, what did you learn today? Well, Dave, I think that the most Shocking thing I learned is that Square was part of an electric company. Right? I didn't know that either. Yeah, that's pretty insane. Also, like... also kind of makes sense now. Like, I wonder how much of that is the Shinra Corporation in Final Fantasy VII. Oh. Huh. I guess I didn't really think of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that that's a damn damn dave look at you mm -hmm. i i just i never i've never thought of i, I mean i i didn't know either that was you know and you know since we sim, it's similar to me but i want to bring up another topic it's really interesting that unlike we 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 talk about a lot of game developers and they're always like hey i play video games at a young age i played video games at a young age but truthfully none of the players in this story were young video gamers they all got into video games like in college later in life just kind of tripped on it you know they they it it was a little bit of a different formative childhood for for most of them now there wasn't many video games that's not even true this is japan in the 70s they would have been teenagers that that was the golden age of arcades none of them participated in the golden age of arcades you know what i mean yeah I, so i don't know it was uh it's kind of cool when you think about it and you look at it that way so but yeah square was a uh basically a, a you know offshoot of an electric company a son said i don't want to i don't want i want daddy's money but i don't want to do what daddy does so let's try this instead and it ended up being a smashing success uh mufasu Mufasiri, I don't know that Miyamoto was the like president CEO of Square for a long time, actually. So nice, yep. awesome. Well, Rob, we did it. And before I take it out and look forward to next week, would you like to add anything to today's episode? Well, Dave, as always, I just want to take a quick moment to say thank you to everyone who listens. It means the world to us. We hope you enjoy. We'd love to hear from you. 
but we also just love to know you're out there. So keep listening. Indeed. Indeed. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, next week we do not have a topic. <gasps> what? For the third year running, we're going to take the last week of the year and we do a year in review. It's a episode. We're going to look back at our favorite games of the year, talk about what's coming up for our next year. Um, it's usually a short episode. It gives us and you guys a break uh, from, you know, basically so we can all spend time with our families. So we'll catch you all again next week as we celebrate the end of the year on yet another trip down memory card lane to the thing. Three, five, eight, 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 e